0: This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. i excited about the word this morning. Um, Rob kind of hit this. Um, you know, so far this year we've had two series, correct? So the first one was actually called A Time for a Checkup. And we talked about um, evaluating our spiritual health. Our soul health, which is what? Our mind, our will, and our emotions. We talked about our physical health, talking about our body. And um, then we followed up, um, which we're going to conclude today, with a series called First Things First. Um, now, how many of you guys enjoyed Pastor Troy last week? Um, I heard uh, several of our younger people said that he was popping off. <laughs> that he's like, ouch, he is saying some things. But he did a great job about talking about the priority of the church and the priority of our relationship with him. And even before that, um, Pastor Rob was talking talking about first things first. And a few of his points were that we need to turn someday into now. And um, even when he preached this, I thought to myself, you know, don't put off until tomorrow what can be done today. That was just something that kind of kept sticking with me. He talked about, you know, we need to turn our intentions into actions. We have a lot of intentions, but how often do we act on them? And then um, the week after that, he talked about how we must discover our values. We must determine what's important to us, and we must decide who's most important to us. And so all of these things that we've talked about up till now um, has really been about what? Priorities, right? What is important to you? And let me ask, how many of you have ever made a resolution before? And I'm not just saying New Year's resolutions, but you're resolved. I'm going to start a new habit, whether it be diet, whether it be exercise, whether it be budget, whether it be, I remember last year in January, I had this, um, I, I'll just tell you now I failed, but I had this resolution that when I took my clothes off, I would put them in the dirty clothes or I would put them on a hanger and put them in my closet instead of like pile them up on my bathtub, bathtub where they begin to overflow, right? Like that was just something I, I, I failed at. Um, yeah. But that was a resolution. It was, it was a hope, right? Um, so we all have these different things that come to mind. and um, But what I wanted to talk about today is, you know, so many times we have these resolutions. We have these dreams. We have these ideas of things that we want to fulfill um, that are usually... Um, well, we've talked about this. We talked about what is important, right? So, why is it, why is it that it's so hard to act those things out? That's where the struggle is at, right? Because we can easily list things that we want to change, but what, what is the issue from wanting to do and doing? And so, that's what I want to talk about a little bit today: is why don't our actions reflect our Supposed or maybe really are values. Why don't they line up? How many of you have ever had a dream? You've ever had values, something that you want to accomplish, and then it doesn't come to pass. And you try and try and try, but maybe because of a past failure, you don't want to try again. Well, I already tried that and I failed, so why would I try again? So I've got a few thoughts. Now, how many of you in here like potato chips? How many of you in here like Lay's potato chips? Okay, so um, let me ask you Is Lay's Potato Chips has a commercial on TV with a challenge to us as a listener, right? And what is that challenge? It is, bet you can't eat just one. Has everybody heard that? Has anybody ever tried it? Like literally opened up the bag and... Succeeded at only eating just one? You succeeded? I am impressed, man. Um, Like I've thought that before and I'm like, no, I'm going to have a serving, not just one chip. Um, But let me ask you this. Um, What is it called when we choose just one? Discipline. Discipline. And so that's what I want to talk about. My point number one is that we must determine to be disciplined. Now, guys, I know I just said the word that probably all of you hate including myself at times, discipline, uh, don't say that, right? Because it requires something of us, right? It requires something of us. So what is discipline? I've got a definition right here. This came out of Webster's Dictionary, and it says, to train or develop by instruction and exercise, especially in self-control. Now, as I was studying out discipline, um, discipline actually has two primary aspects um, to it that uh, I want to talk about. One is kind of that instruction and learning, but then the other one is the aspect of limits. So I like to think of it this way. Discipline as learning to recognize and live within the boundaries which lead us to life. Think about that for a minute again. Discipline is learning to recognize and live within the boundaries which lead to life. So I've got a couple examples here. Um, Who in here likes sports? Who in here likes to participate in sports? Because there's a difference between participating and watching, right? So if you've ever been involved in any kind of sport, you know that it takes time to develop your skill. You have to practice, right? Has anybody in here ever... um, done a marathon or half marathon. All right, I knew. So a couple of y'all in here. Let me tell you, um, you don't wake up and say, oh, I'm going to go run a half marathon today and succeed and do well at it, right? No, you don't. Um, Some of you may try that with the 5K and get through. But this half marathon, you know, no. You have to prepare for months. You have to prepare with running and training and eating right and breathing right and all these different things. You have to, on a regular basis, train your body to complete that task. Okay, where are my teenagers at? All right, raise your hand, we got quite a few in here. Okay, so teenagers, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but if you ever come home and been like, hey mom, hey dad, can I go hang out with so-and-so? Or can I go, uh, can I play on the PlayStation or the Xbox? Um, I bet you, most of them, their response would be something like this. Have you completed your schoolwork? Have you done your chores? I know at our house that usually was. Right? And let me tell you guys, that is actually a form of discipline. Your parents are trying to train you to put your education first, and then they're trying to set limits to help you to succeed. One more example of here, in here. How many of you have ever had a puppy or a dog? Okay, so before I go into this story, last time I taught, I actually had a dog illustration and I put a picture up of our dog, Jack. And the one critique I got from all three of my kids was, Mom, you didn't show what Jack looks like now. So I've got a couple pictures right here. So let's see, Jack. I've got three. So there's Jack with Madison. Next. All right. Rob didn't want the other two kids to feel left out. And then this last one shows you actually the size of Jack. Okay, so Jack is like 100, 105 pounds. And um, actually that's Owen up there if you guys don't know him. He's the one we shared the testimony about a while ago. But so back to the dog, you can take that off. Um, You know, when you get a dog you have to train the dog, right? The puppy, you have to set limits, you have to set boundaries. If you've still, if you've been to our house, you know that Jack likes to greet you with a big nudge when you walk in the door. Some of y'all faces are like, uh-huh. You know, I walk out of the bedroom in the morning, I have to go like this, you know, just so I don't get hit just cause where he, he, his head hits. And um, I'm like, no, we're not touching that. Um, and so guys, we have to set boundaries for him. We have to set limits. We even have tools that help us to keep him from jumping on people. We have a little thing that we hook up that kind of gives him a vibration that means don't jump, right? So we have to set limits for him. So let's look at all three of these illustrations for a moment. When we look at that, I think we can see two different types of discipline that come from this. One is self-discipline. And then the second is imposed discipline. Right? So those that were training for the sport, the sport, they set some disciplines. I will eat this. I won't eat this. I will exercise this way. I won't exercise this way. The dog and those of us that have been children, the parents or the owner or somebody else has imposed disciplines to help to get and gain the success that we desire in a said situation. And so let's look at... The value of discipline. Because we've talked about a little bit what it is. Why is discipline important? It is important, I think, that we talk about discipline today. Because how you know that we live in a society (laughs) that's like, we don't need discipline. I can do what I want, when I want, how I want, and it doesn't matter. Right? That's what society teaches us. We see it every day in commercials. We see it all the time. You know, a while ago I made the comment about the, the one frito lay commercial that says, bet you can't eat just one, right? And so this commercial assumes that none of us have the ability to say no to ourselves. And the reality is, is that most of us don't say no to ourselves. We had one in here. Good job, man. Now, there's another commercial that came to mind. How many of you have heard this one? You deserve a break today. All right, who's that come from? Who knows? Who knows? McDonald's right McDonald's and so McDonald's is telling us you know what it's been rough you need to come and just eat whatever you want today that's what they're telling us come eat their big old burgers and french fries and okay I am guilty I had a bacon egg cheese biscuit this morning on the way here I was like Rob can we leave early (laughs) I want to go through McDonald's he's like what um but Okay, they are saying, you deserve a break today. And they're basically saying that we should just do what we want when we want. And so we see this thrown in our face time and time and time again. But guys, this, this is a lie that the world tells us that unrestricted living has no consequences, right? Right? They don't tell us the consequences of just doing what we want when we want, right? But the Bible tells us something different. It tells us that restrictions, boundaries, and or discipline have great value. Here's the reality. We cannot eat whatever, whenever we want and be healthy. What's it going to lead to? Obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes, cholesterol, the list could go high cholesterol, it could go on and on and on. Guys, we can't listen and watch whatever we want to and be healthy. We know that if we watch too much news, too much secular TV, too much secular music, that it will affect us. Garbage in, garbage out, right? It will affect you. How about this one? We can't purchase or buy everything we want and have healthy finances, right? Because what's going to end up happening? Debt, bankruptcy, stress, another job, stress in marriage, stress in the home. You can't just, oh, I want that and just get it and it be wise. (laughs) Lots of people do it. Lots of us do it every day. In Proverbs, there are many verses that instruct us on the value of discipline. And so I want to read a few. Right here in Proverbs 12, 1, it says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Okay, it said it, I didn't. But the truth is the truth, right? Stupid. Y'all, good awaits those who are willing to apply discipline. Good awaits those that are willing to apply and in Proverbs 13:18 and this is in the message it says refuse discipline and end up homeless embrace correction and live an honored life. Proverbs 6:23 tells us that discipline is the way of life. Let's read this in the message. It says for sound advice is a beacon good teaching is a light moral discipline is a path. And then in the English Standard Version, it says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light. And the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. And so we see that discipline brings life. But then in Proverbs 23, it tells us what lack of discipline gives us. You ready to read that one? Proverbs 5, 21 through 23. It says, Mark well that God doesn't miss a move that you make. He's aware of every step that you take. The shadow of your sin will overtake you. You will find yourself stumbling all over yourself in the dark. Death is the reward of an undisciplined life. Your foolish decisions trap you in a dead end. So we see that discipline is important. We need discipline in our lives. And so, how do we apply this to first things first? How do we apply this to resolutions that we, that we, say that we want to accomplish. One is we have to set our mind to it. We must stay focused. We must stay the course even when we don't feel like it. And we must create habits or routines to set us up to succeed. We have to create those. And so I want to give an example about myself. Um, If I were to talk to you 20 years ago, I would have told you that I absolutely hate to read. Hate it. Like I'd be like, I don't do that. I don't like that. Um, to be honest, I can probably count on one hand how many books I read in high school and and maybe college combined. Uh, cliff notes, yes. Search, try to look for the answers, yes. Actually read an entire book from the beginning to end, no, I didn't. I'm not proud of it, but that was my reality. Is I can't do that. I don't understand it. It's too big. It's too hard. I would never read just for fun. I see Billy there. Like Chrissy loves to read for fun. She just loves. Like, give me a book. Let's do, okay. That would have never described me whatsoever. But guys, I began to read books. I began to read to help me learn and understand the Word of God. I began to read books on how to parent well, on how to have a godly relationship. On I remember when I started taking over the women's ministry, I went and got about six different books because I just wanted to see what was out there and how to do things and how not to do things to gain knowledge, to gain understanding so that I could then begin to apply that. Um, and then after that, I actually made a goal of reading one book a month. And guess what? I did it. And so then the next year I was like, okay, I have a goal of reading one to two books a month. And guys, I keep a note in my phone of every book that I read. So come the end of the year, i am be like, okay, am I Am I close to that goal? And sometimes I am or I'm ahead of schedule. And then sometimes I'm like, ee, I might need to catch up. But I had a plan to accomplish that. And so since we're talking about reading, how many of you guys uh, remember, I think it was four years ago, Pastor Rob gave us a challenge of reading the Bible through chronologically. Now, I meant to bring my Bible and I left it at the house. Um, Not only did he want us to read it chronologically, he wanted us to read all the commentaries with it. Guys, that book, and I'm not exaggerating, okay, book, okay, I'm trying to see how you'd see that. If it was upright, that tall, that wide, and probably about that thick. Am I exaggerating? A lot of y'all saw it. It was thick. Okay, Zach's saying about like that. Okay, it was thick. It was a big book. Let me tell you this. It was a hard challenge for me. It took me a good probably 45 minutes to an hour a day to read that Word of God and to read the commentary that was with it. But guys, we resolved that we were going to do that to the point that when Rob and I would even travel on the road, if we were in the car, I would read it out loud or he would read it out loud so that we would stay on task. We went to Israel that year. I actually lugged that big old honking Bible with me to Israel And I could have been like, I'm in Israel, I'm in the Holy Land, I'm going to get plenty of word. No, I resolved, I am going to read this, and I'm going to stay on track. Did I occasionally get behind a day or two? Yes, that did happen. I'll be real, I'll be honest. But I caught up, and I completed that. And so the result was, I created a discipline of being in the word almost every single day. And so him doing that, I read it through in a year. And then the next year, I read the Bible through again in a much shorter version where I was only reading like 15 minutes a day. And I actually remember telling Chris Bounds, gosh, there's not much meat to that compared to all that commentary, right? I did. It's like, I so learned so much after going through that process that I saw the value of it. And because of that, even now, I've created the discipline of being in the word almost every single day. There's occasionally that I may not, but almost every single day I'm in the Word. Was it easy? No. Was it easy when I first started? No. Was it worth it? Absolutely. Because I see now the benefits of that hard work, of that perseverance, of that sticking to it. I saw this uh, quote right here. It says, success is nothing else than a few acts of discipline practiced every day. You might want to write that one down, take a picture of it, cuz that can be a motivator when you feel like quitting, okay? Success is nothing else than a few acts of discipline practiced every day. You know, guys, at one point in my life, I would have told you guys that I was not a disciplined person. I was organized but not disciplined. I did not have routines and habits that I did consistently. It's more like, what's gotta be done today? Okay, check, got it done. What's gotta be done tomorrow? Okay, check, got it done. But over the past probably 10, 15 years, I began to create disciplines. Um, For example, in my own life, the discipline of exercising. A lot of you guys know me. Like, you want to get a meeting with me? I'll be like, well, it's got to be after this time because I'm hitting the gym in the morning. Like, I've created that discipline that it's important to me. I'm eating well. Yes, I ate McDonald's today, but I'm not going to eat McDonald's every single day. I try to do more healthy than unhealthy into my body. Talked about the importance of praying and reading the Word. This one, um, talking about discipline, Rob and I have created a discipline of one day a week spending time together. And yes, that's on Mondays. And yes, a lot of you like to call us and text us on Mondays. <laughs> we try not to work on Mondays. Guys, it doesn't mean it's always just dates. A lot of times it's like exercising together, getting groceries together, doing house tours together. But it's just being together. And we have made that a priority within our marriage and with our home, and within our home. And so, guys, you too can be disciplined. You can do it. I once would have said that I couldn't. But guys, you can be disciplined. And it's the only way that you can put first things first and prioritize your life is it takes discipline. So you've set these first things first. Okay, so what is it gonna to take to accomplish it? How are you gonna do it? Define it, see what works for you. And so this actually is gonna take me into point number two. It says, "Let me give you." well, actually, let me give you a quote right here from Henry Longfellow. He said, great is the art of beginning... But even greater is the art of ending. We can start really easily, right? Lots of us have probably started different things at different times in our lives. But it's a lot more challenging to end, right? To complete it, to finish it. And so that's point number two is that we must determine to persevere when it's tough. To persevere when it's tough. Why don't we persevere? Think about it for a moment. What's something you gave up on? What's something you've given up? Was it because you didn't see the results fast enough? I tried to work on my marriage, but God just didn't fix them fast enough. So I'm moving on and I'm checking out, right? Or you've tried to diet and exercise and you didn't lose enough weight fast enough. And well, it's just not working after three days, right? (laughs) It's just too hard. I'm too busy. or I get distracted, It gets hard. Something else interesting comes in and takes my attention away from what that goal was. So ask yourself, will you give up or will you persevere? What is the vision? What is the goal? What are you chasing after? What are you trying to accomplish? What is the prize? And so I've got an example right here. I don't remember what year this was, but years ago, Rob and I had decided we are going to take our kids to Disney when they're all old enough to remember it, all right? When they're all old enough to remember it. So originally, if you've been around long enough, you know that uh, Lauren and Madison, we were done with kids after them, and we got surprised with Aaron, right? So we had told Lauren for years, when Madison's about five years old, we'll go to Disney. Um, Along came Aaron, and then she's like, (laughs) we're going to Disney now, But here's what I, just to kind of give you another practical application. So we decided when our kids were old enough that we thought they could remember and appreciate a Disney trip that we would take them. But what did that look like for us? It wasn't in our budget where we could just, oh, pull it out of savings. We've got that in the travel budget and let's just make it happen. No, we saved for one and a half years. Let me tell you what that saving looked like. Because it wasn't just saving. We didn't eat out. Guys, we would be at church, and the kids were like, can we go to Chick-fil-A? Can we go to McDonald's? And we're like, "Um, not on a Sunday. You're right, on a whatever day. And um, any day but Sunday. And we'd be like, do you want to go to Disney later in the year? Or do you want to go eat out right now? Disney, okay. Like, they had to deny what they wanted in the moment. Guys, we had no big birthday parties that year. We did not do presents that year. We're like, we're going to save our money so that we can take you to Disney. Guys, once we got to Disney, it was still on a budget. We did a timeshare, yay, to get discounted tickets to go to Disney. Guys, um, I don't know if you know this, but you can actually, back then, you could take food into Disney. We took a backpack that had all of our food for the day. We took bread, we took lunch meat, we took chips, and we took snacks, and our entire family ate with what we took in on our back. We purchased one food item in five days when we were at Disney. Yeah, and one item and we all shared it. It was an ice cream Mickey covered in chocolate. One item. And Rob said it was $100. (laughs) Guys, but here is the point. With that, we actually had a friend that had a timeshare down there and let us stay in their property, so that was covered. But my point is, we kept our eyes on the prize. It didn't look attainable in our budget of what we made in that year. Disney was not in our budget at that time in our life. But we're like, you know what? We want to do this for our family, and how are we going to make it happen? And how are we going to teach our kids how we can make this happen. And so you too can discipline yourself to accomplish something, and you can persevere when it, believe me, it would have been a lot more easier to go eat out at times than it would have been to prepare a meal, right? But we chose, we saw the big picture that reminded us when it hurt in the moment. Perseverance is tough. It is not always easy. And here's the truth. For all of us, somewhere between the beginning and the end, We've all felt like giving up. Discouragement comes in. Disappointment sets in. And sometimes we just feel like saying, I quit. It's not worth it. Don't want to do it anymore. Thomas Edison once said, many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. I've got an image right here. You've probably seen this on Facebook. Anybody ever seen something like that? Working at it, working at it, working at it. He turns away, and what would it maybe have taken? One more hit to bust through it. So many times we give up, and we're that close to that breakthrough. We're that close to that victory. So what do you do when you feel like giving up? In one word, God tells us to do what? Persevere. Say it. Persevere. Persevere. And so persevere means to persist, in any purpose or endeavor, to continue striving for one's goals despite difficulties. Difficu- if it was easy, you'd accomplish it like that. Despite difficulties, to stay on course. In the New Testament, the word is translated in the Greek for perseverance is hupomen. And it means both a passive endurance and a active persistence. So guys, we are called to endure and actively pursue at the same time. You see that? You're walking through it, but you're walking. You're not standing still. It's still coming as you're walking, but you're walking and at some point you look back and you've conquered and you've persevered and you've come through. Perseverance is the single greatest ingredient to our success in life. Perseverance in its simplest form is defined as the ability to finish what you've started. To finish what What you have started. I know with our kids when they were younger, we actually had a rule in our house that if you started an activity, you finished an activity. Meaning, if you signed up for baseball, whether you like it or not, you are playing it till the season is over. If you sign up for swimming, whether you can swim or not, you are going to finish it or not. You know, if you sign up for dance, you are going to complete it. Whatever you set your mind to, if you don't like it after that, that's fine. But you are going to complete what you started to begin to, and we did that to develop that character. in then you don't just give up when something's hard or when you're not good at it or you don't like it or people laugh at you or you fail at it. Sometimes you're, you're not going to be good at everything and that's okay. But complete the initial expectation and be like, yep, not for me. What's next, right? Perseverance. So the truth is if you can't finish things in life, It's going to be hard for you to succeed. And so I've got a couple quotes here. Douglas MacArthur said, Age wrinkles the body, but quitting wrinkles the soul. Estee Lauder, who knows her? Makeup lady, right? She said, I never dreamed of success. I worked for it. Babe Ruth said, It's hard to beat a person who never gives up. And then Winston Churchill, If you're going through hell keep going. Don't stay there. Right? Don't stay in it. Keep going. Keep moving. Proverbs 5 verses 3 through 5. It says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. And then 1 Corinthians 13, 7, it says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And so, guys, I love this statement right here. Perseverance outweighs our talents, our intelligence, and our difficult Circumstances. Let me say that again. Perseverance outweighs our talents, our intelligence, and our difficult circumstances. We conquer in life by continuing. If you quit, you can't win. You've got to keep going. And I was studying this week, and I came across this quote. And so I want to read this to you. It says, "...the biblical attribute of perseverance shatters all boundaries in the human spirit." So let me give you some examples of how they applied this. They said, Cripple perseverance, and it will turn into the great playwright, Sir Walter Scott. Imprison perseverance, and you will get the writer of Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan. Bury perseverance in the snow at Valley Forge, and you will get George Washington. Raise perseverance in poverty, and you will end up with Abraham Lincoln. Strike perseverance with paralysis, and you will find a Franklin D. Roosevelt. Deafen perseverance, and you will hear the magical, magical music of Beethoven. Oppress perseverance with racism, and you will get George Washington Carver. Call perseverance a slow learner, and you will get Albert Einstein. Christians in China, when faced with communist persecution, had a slogan. And I don't know if you ever heard this, but they said, Christians are like nails. The harder you hit us, the deeper we go. And so I was discussing this with Rob, and I want to put this next quote up. This is a Rob quote based on what we just read, and I love it. Biblical perseverance with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit goes far beyond what human will can do on its own. It can break through all boundaries, all obstacles, and even fatigue. Guys, that's encouraging. Biblical perseverance with the Holy Spirit, you can do it. You can persevere. You can push through. In James 1.12... It says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he stood the test, he received the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And then in Luke twenty-one nineteen, it says, by your endurance... You will gain your lives. And then, one more passage I want to read right here Ephesians 6. This is Robert's favorite chapter, I think, in the Bible. One of them talks about what? Putting on the armor of God, right? And um, I actually want to look at the last verse in 18. It says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints. So, Just kind of giving us some reasons on why we need to persevere, right? The value of it that's important. Um, So I've got a kind of a question here. When you're faced with a situation, do you stand firm and endure and push through, or do you revert to blame and excuses? It's not my fault. It's my husband's fault. It's my kid's fault. It's my employer's fault. It's the way it was raised. I don't know any better. I wasn't taught any better. Blame always leads to avoidance, which is actually the opposite of perseverance. I actually heard it said that blame is pre-quitting, or let's just put it as quitting early. You start the blame game, basically you're giving up because you're trying to deflect it to somebody else instead of own what you can do to push through. So which one describes you? Are you a grit and grind kind of person? I hate this, but I'm gonna make it happen and I'm gonna do it. Or are you the griper? Oh, that was me, it's just not fair. They did me wrong, they changed the rules. This is so hard, I don't wanna do it anymore. Which, hopefully that looked a little bit like whining to you. We got a lot of whiners, but not nearly as many winners. Not nearly as many winners. Which one are you? And guys, I just want to put this one thought out there. Because I thought it was pretty cool. Think about this for a moment. (laughs) The snail made it to the ark with perseverance. (laughs) I mean, think about it. (laughs) He wasn't just getting there real quick, right? He made it. So I'm halfway through my notes. All right. Um, Yeah, I can't say next week. Um, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep going here with this point. Um, I did a little bit of studying about Jesus. And I'm going to have her put up this verse. This is out of Luke chapter 9, verse 51 through 62. And I'm not going to read it. You can screenshot it. You can come back to it. Um, but I'm going to reference it here in this, in this point here. Um, the first thing I want us to know is a couple things that we can learn from Jesus about perseverance. Is Number one is that we see Jesus was led by his convictions not by his emotions. So what do I mean by that? Guys, Jesus modeled perseverance. His family questioned him. The disciples doubted him. Religious leaders accused him. The Jews rejected him. The Roman soldiers persecuted him. Yet Jesus was relentless in the pursuit of the cross. We know that his final words were what? It is finished. He finished with everything that came his way, he didn't give up. You know, I spoke with a friend this week that um, actually told me that years ago she had considered leaving the church. She, her feelings had got hurt. She didn't like how things were going. And she said she took it to the Lord and that the Lord told her that it's permissible. You can go, but it's not my perfect will for you. But, you know, if you want to go, that's fine. And then she said, as she thought about that, Thought about leaving, that the Lord reminded her that it was against everything within her. Because, kind of, her slogan in life is Christians need to be Christians, Christians need to do the Christian thing, and they need to be the body of the Christ, and they need to come together even when it's difficult. And so she chose to stick and to stay planted in that church family. And now, in that church family, she's in leadership because she chose to persevere. Her conviction trumped her emotions. Her conviction of, nope, this is where God's called me. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I believe, and this is where I stand. Number two, or next thing we see in Jesus right here is that Jesus was proactive and not reactive in the face of difficulty. Jesus was proactive, not reactive. So what do I mean like that? In Luke 9:51, it says, at the time, at the time, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Here I am, I'm going. And here's the deal is that too many people react instead of act. They're just responding to everything that's coming instead of having a plan and making it happen. Instead of going forward with it. So don't wait for life to happen. Go out there and make it happen. And then the last thing that we see um, in Jesus right here is, guys, he remained committed regardless of the cost. He remained committed regardless of the cost. In that passage um, that we didn't read, um, and actually in the last verse in 62, it says, Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And in that passage, we see that three different men came up to him and say, oh, I'm going to follow you. And then once Jesus told him what it was going to cost, their excuses came in. Well, i got to go do this first. Oh, i got to go do that first. Oh, i got to make this happen. The demand was great. So all too often, our commitment is based upon the cost and not the cause. And so I want to wrap up with this story as we conclude right here and um, give a personal example. And I'm going to go here. This is where Aaron's saying, uh-oh. Um, I have permission from my son to share this. Now, when I told him I was going to share this, he goes, well, mom, can you make it 70% positive and 30% negative? And I said, well, Aaron, this story is 17 and a half years of negative and six months of positive. So I don't know how that's going to work. But um, (laughs) I just want to share this for a moment because we're talking about perseverance, right? So any of you guys that know us know that you've probably heard us talk that Aaron has been our most challenging child to parent. Not to say that Lauren and Madison didn't have moments, but Aaron has always been our most challenging child, the most difficult child. Um, You've probably heard me say many times that he would make a great lawyer because he could argue anything, find a loophole for anything, and he was relentless, relentless. Here's something you probably don't know. Now, let me preface this, because not everybody knows Aaron. Aaron was a straight-A student. Aaron was respected in school. He was respected in the church. He was known as a godly young man. Um, if any of you were parenting, you might even say, gosh, I wish I had a kid like that. Okay? He, he, he was a good kid. But <laughs> there were times, guys, there was a time in middle school when Rob and I were like, maybe we need to find a boot camp to send him to. I'm serious. I'm not kidding. I'm serious. If he can't listen and respond to us and just obey what we say because we said it without coming back a thousand times, let's send him somewhere where maybe he will be crushed to not respond. It was a thought. I'm being real here. There was a time where we were like, maybe he just needs deliverance, maybe this is like demonic. And there may have been some at some points. You know, we need to get this boy through freedom because this is not what, who we've trained him to be. That is not what we expected of him, and that is not okay. There was a time when we said, uh, maybe we'll just send him off to Paw, which, if you don't know, is Pastor Bob. Maybe he can do something with him because I just don't know what else to do. There were times in our relationship where I'm like, Rob, I'm done. Like, I, I'm done. I'm, I will hurt him if I don't walk away. And vice versa. Rob's like, Rob's like Shauna, like I can feel myself about to lose it. I need you to go take care of this because I, I don't want to lose it, but I'm like like right there. Okay, and we both lost it at times. I'll just put that out there. Okay, we did fail at times. We lost it at times. Guys, there were times when we were tempted to give up and say, let's just give him what he wants. It's not gonna be worth the 30 minute hour argument. It's not going to be worth the one-week discussion. I I, I just don't even want to go there. But we stood our ground. We grew weary. We grew tired. We were tempted to quit. But we persevered. Here comes the emotion. Guys, we sought out counseling. Counseling. We paid for counseling. We took him to the counselor and are like, oh, your son's just great. <laughs> yeah, he is, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about these disciplines that he needs to exhibit in his life that aren't matching up with what the Word of God is and what we're teaching him. It's not okay. Our conviction to raise him in a godly home paid off. Our conviction to train him and to see the results of godly character lived out in his life paid off. We were determined that we will not give up. We heard so many parents over the years, well, that's just how teenagers act. No, that is not how our teenager is going to act because it does not line up with the word of God. And we refuse to accept anything different than what God's word says. Period. Did we see it always? No, no. But that was our conviction. We were not going to give up. And as guys, as many of you have seen in the past six to eight months, Aaron is a new person. He had a God. Natty is like, oh, one of them youth leaders. Guys, he is a new person. He had a God encounter that every bit of selfishness, pride, and sin was brought to the surface and he gave it to God and said, God, I'm gonna choose you instead of my own ways. He was planning on starting college in January. You know what he was going to do? Aaron, what do you wanna do with your life? I want the job that I can make the most money with the least amount of work. I mean, that lines up with biblical principles, right? He's dead serious, I'm not kidding. And now he's going to go off to the mission field and know who knows how many people will come to Christ because of that. Our, Our perseverance in prayer, our perseverance in parenting, our perseverance in the word, our perseverance in our faith paid off. We did not give up. I don't know where he would have ended up. We would have kept on praying. Pastor Bob would have kept on praying. We were not going to give up. But I know that we endured. We kept going. We persevered. And guys, you've probably heard this statement. Where there is a will, there is a way. And then also with that, slowly but surely is progress. Sometimes we want it quick and we want it now. 17 and a half, and guys, things aren't perfect now. It isn't with any of us. But 17 and a half years of perseverance before we saw that true God encounter of where it's about you and it's not about me. And I think every single one of you in here can apply that to your life and to where you're at right now. Which leads me into the last point right here, point number three, and this is the most important. Number one is determined to be disciplined Number two is determined to persevere when it's tough. Number three is you must determine to lean on the Lord. Rob and I let Rob and I leaned upon the Lord a lot in many areas of our lives. We can't do it in our own strength. That's when we get fatigued. That's when we want to give up. That's when we want to throw in the towel and like I'm done. Your problem. We have to determine to lead on the Lord. You guys know this scripture, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. What does it say? Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make straight your path. You create the disciplines. You have him help you create the disciplines. But he's going to help you carry it through to the end. Guys, you have to get to a place where you allow him to be your strength. 2 Corinthians 12.10 says, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Allow him to be your helper. Hebrews 13.6 says, So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Guys, sometimes that persevering is an attack against man. It's an attack against your family. They're not agreeing with you. They think you're being foolish. They think you're being stupid. Why would you do that? If the Lord's led you there, he's going to carry you through. Let him be your helper. Guys, some of you need to let him help you lighten the load. Some of you are just carrying it all yourself, and you're weighing you down, and you can't get anywhere, where if you gave it to him, you'd be so much freer to walk in that fullness that he has for you. In Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, it says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will, what? Give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Guys, we have to lean in to the Lord. We have to lean in to the Holy Spirit. We have to allow him to guide us. We have to allow him to walk with us as we walk with him. If you try to do any of this persevering and discipline on your own, (laughs) you're going to fail. But with him, you can keep on going. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up right here. And Isaiah 41.10, says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I'm going to invite all of you to stand up for a moment. And I want to ask you this. If you'll close your eyes, and I just ask you to do that because if you're like me, it's easier to hear God and not be distracted by what I'm seeing. Ask yourself, what is Holy Spirit saying to me this morning? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And maybe you're in this place this morning and you have never even actually called upon Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And I would tell you that is the first thing that you need to do because he can't help you if you haven't given him permission to help you. And so if you're in this place this morning and you have never called upon Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, if you're watching online and you have never called upon Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to pray something like this. Lord, I'm a sinner. I can't do things on my own. And I need you. I need you to come and invade my life. I repent. I say I'm sorry. I need you to come. I need you to help me. I need you to lead me. I need you to guide me to all that your word says. And maybe you're in here this morning, you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but ask yourself this again. Holy Spirit, What are you saying to me? Maybe he's speaking to you some disciplines that you need to begin to establish in your life. Maybe it's just one discipline. Maybe he's saying, just start your day talking to me. Maybe it's give up that one food that you feel like you have to have. And then ask yourself, maybe, what have you recently quit or given up because it got hard and the Lord's saying, no, I want you to pick that back up. I placed that vision. I gave you that vision. I want you to pick that back up and I want you to persevere just like I did, talking about Jesus, until it's finished. We can't give up. I'm gonna read one more verse right here. You guys can open your eyes and look at this because it's a great picture of what we're talking about. This is in the message, it's 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. It says, You have all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs and one wins, runs win. All good athletes train hard and they do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. But you are after that gold eternally. That one's gold eternally. It says, I don't know about you, but I am running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything that I've got. No lazy living for me. I'm staying alert and on top, in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about it, and then missing it out myself. Guys, that's my prayer for all of us today. We've had a great few weeks about priorities, health check. But once again, if it's just head knowledge and we don't act on it, what's the benefit? What do we profit from it? And there is nothing more that Rob and I want for every single one of you than to go one step closer to the Lord. One step closer to the Lord. One step closer instead of further and further and further away. And guys, it is as simple as that quote. A few repetitive steps every single day to get that end result. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-662. 890-1573 or toll free at eight six six three eight three eight two seven seven. down